1: So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like the ball, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We are previewing all of the Week 14. NFL action true true yeah yeah it is I'm not lying good start we're live on YouTube appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh you ready to get into it yep now as always the Wednesday show yesterday we previewed the Thursday night game so that was Steelers and Vikings uh yesterday show we had all sorts of good discussions I rambled about something about our grading system and you just mocked me it was, mm-hmm. it was a good show it was a good show overall we talked about TJ Watt for MVP beautiful manscaped transition the manscaped transition uh, by the way, follow us, follow the entire podcast at PFFNFLPod. It's a new Twitter account. And once we get to 1,000 or so followers, we're going to give away, watch this, Super Bowl blueprints. Hall of Famers reveal the keys to football's greatest dynasties or dynasties. Mm-hmm. Bill Polian, and Vic Carucci, we've got this book to give away. Sam got it for free, and now he's going to give it to you for free yeah. once we get to 1,000. Followers on the PFF NFL pod, Although maybe it's gonna, 2,000.
0: It's going to cost me postage. Maybe it is. Maybe we get PFFs postage. Oh, yeah, we definitely <laughs> expect that.
1: Absolutely. Um, Chris is, and we know Chris listens to the show and, he, you know, he'll, I don't know, maybe we he'll sign like a, off on that. Maybe
0: we've got like a corporate, you know, mailing system these days. I don't we know. might. That's we will like talk to HR, find somebody and be like, hey, can we uh, throw this in the mail? Yeah, just just leave it from here. You know, we'll either way, we'll get that.
1: We'll, we'll save you those few bucks. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, follow us at PFFNFLPod. pod. We'll find a uh, a lucky follower to get this uh to get this free book. Yep. That we were gifted. Yes. Free
0: book from us, re-gifting. free
1: book to you. That's what the holidays are all about. That's what Is gifting. We'll have other gifts that you guys can uh, can buy for people later in the show. Uh anyway, it's our it's our new Twitter account and uh we did we could put our funny outtakes and all that stuff. If we're funny, I don't know.
0: Any humor that comes out of this
1: We posted
0: a couple of things. We posted your Manscaped Transition. We posted your Bill Polian story. I think that was very good. Um, the other thing we need to send people to at the top of the show, rather than like at the end when, you know, they, they might not be listening anymore, is uh, if contact at pff.com. Contact at pff.com and let us know uh, what features on PFF's products you like using, what you use the most, where you find the most value, and what you would like to see. Like what kind of feature in a PFF product would you like? And uh, tell them we sent you. Like the, Each podcast is is asking this. Um, tell them Sam and Steve sent you, and this is what you like. Yes, do that, please. Mm. All right, we ready to get into this? Yeah, let's go.
1: As always, we go through the, uh, the biggest games of the week in a little bit more detail. So let's start with the Tampa Bay Bucks hosting the Buffalo Bills uh we'll have to look at green line for the updated lines i updated the lines last night is that usually about where you are yeah i had it at three and a half it was a three and a half last night buffalo bills at the tampa bay bucks the weather should be a little bit different for the bills as they travel to tampa should be in the 70s don't 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 think we're going to see any rain it will not we probably won't have 40 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts as they did the other night but the bills at seven and five and you, you made the point on yesterday's show, people are overreacting to a game that they said, "Don't overreact to this Monday night game." But the bottom line is, the Bills are seven and five, and they're going up against the Bucks, in danger of falling to seven and six. And you could make the argument two weeks ago, "Hey, the Bills are the most well-rounded team in the NFL. They can pass the ball, stop the pass. Maybe their run game's not great, but I mean, they they have ways to win." And now they're in danger of falling to seven and six. What are you looking for in this Bills Bucks game?
0: Yeah, and it's not so much overreacting to the result. Like the result was pretty bad for both like a serious blow they now only have a 33 percent chance of winning their division according to pff's power rankings there's still 76 percent chance to win to, to make the playoffs which is obviously the most important part but like that was a body blow to what they want to do if they lose again this week which is eminently possible that's another pretty significant blow then of course you've got the patriots on the horizon again i, I mean they're not screwed but they're they're getting into some trouble that we didn't think was even possible earlier in the season. I, I think this game's really interesting because there is, I think they're now in the category of there is an established bl- blueprint to play Buffalo um, on both sides of the ball, much like there was with Kansas City earlier in the season, and may still be. Um, we've seen that Buffalo is not capable of standing up to powerful, overwhelming ground attacks. The Indianapolis Colts, the New England Patriots. You know, they were able to come up with some big stops at some key times, but generally they were blown off the ball and dominated on the ground. Yeah. So, does Tampa Bay look at that and say, well, we have a really good offensive line? We've got Lenny in the backfield, Ronald Jones, we've got some power players. Okay, we've also got Tom Brady and a, a bevy of wide receivers that we want to get involved in the game, but this is going to be a game where we swing and pivot to this ground attack and just establish dominance physically up front or do they go no we you know we have tom brady we like to air it out that's how we're going to play i i think how they approach this game is going to be pretty interesting
1: yeah the bucks can um i think they could really go either way the interesting numbers here too the the buffalo bills pure coverage grade number one in the nfl but this is the first game we're going to see what happens really what happens without Tradavius white because he's out for the season and obviously he was he would not have been a factor <laughs> the other night on the three dropbacks that mac jones had but this will be the first time we see. Okay, how does that affect Buffalo's coverage unit? Right, a team that uh, generally likes to play. Uh, you know, they like not 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 necessarily too high, but they do invite the run a little bit. They play more nickel. Um, they are somewhat encouraging teams to run the ball and kind of like you know playing the odds that they can they can uh, you know play the run with with their defensive front rather than extra safeties all the time. Uh, and the Bucs are coming off a game against the Falcons where they just didn't stop passing. Mm-hmm. They just passed. I mean, Brady threw the ball over 50 times. Fourth quarter, they are up 10. They're still chucking it around. Like, they didn't see the advantage – In the run game the other day, they saw the advantage where Brady was pressured four times on over 50 dropbacks against Atlanta.
0: They almost had the exact opposite game plan of New England. Yeah, they were like,
1: we're just going to throw it.
0: Where at some point, sort of late in the first quarter, it was like the Patriots legitimately might not pass the ball at all in this game. They might run every single offensive snap. For a while, it looked like Tampa Bay was not going to run the ball at all. They were going to pass every single time they had an offensive snap. Um, Like Brady was on pace for like 80 attempts or something by the end of the first quarter it was nuts
1: yeah and now again every week's different you know last week was it, it's in a dome the Bucs ran a lot of hurry up they've been doing that the last couple of weeks I think that's uh now that Brady's that they started early in the season but now that he's more comfortable in the offense that the, like having that hurry up offense as a weapon I think is just a it's an added weapon you know for this Bucks offense so I think that matchup on that side of the ball is going to be a great one how do the Bucs attack this I do think they'll run the ball more because of the Bills' defensive front and what they can do with the, with a pretty good offensive line there. So that matchup's fun. And then the other side, uh, Josh Allen, again, in better weather, uh, not having to cut the wind with uh, with his cannon for an arm. But going up against a Bucks defense, that's been, uh, we'll say, opportunistic as far as turnovers go. You know, the Bucks defense has had, they've had bouts this year where opposing offenses pick them apart through the air and they just go and go and, and, and move the ball, but... Um, in that Indianapolis game, a couple of weeks ago, the Bucks came up with some key turnovers, interceptions, strip sacks. Josh Allen hasn't really done a great job of taking care of the ball, really, at any point in his career. But the difference has been, you know, he's, you know he leads the league in positively graded throws. Like, he adds a ton of value. But I think it's my generic, it's going to come down to turnovers, mm. right? I mean, if, if Allen puts the ball in harm's way, which he tends to do once or twice a game, if not more, if the Bucs take advantage, it's going to be really tough for the Bills to overcome that.
0: Yeah, and it isn't just a sort of empty platitude um or cliche, because the Buffalo Bills are experiencing the same issue that Kansas City is, which is if teams show them those two high coverage shells, essentially take away the deep ball and force them to be patient and win in that ugly, boring style, that's where the problems arise. And that's where Josh Allen gets frustrated and and puts the ball in harm's way and starts pressing and, and essentially causing turnovers. So Tampa Bay I don't think it is a defense that generally plays that kind of, of football. They're, they're not bad at taking away explosive pass plays. They're, I think, 10th in the NFL. Um, they play cover three as by far their most uh, prevalent coverage shell. They're not necessarily um, that kind of too high team that, that will stop everything. So I'm curious, you know, what, again, like, they, do they adapt what they do? to play the specific game plan that causes Buffalo problems on both sides of the ball? Or do they just say, no, we're better than than Buffalo. We'll play what we always play. Let's go. Uh, the other interesting elements of
1: this, so we'll see how Tampa Bay plays there, but Tampa Bay's, so like their run defense grade is not the best in the league anymore. They, they've been run on a little bit as far as, are they you know winning blocks, at, you know, especially uh, even just last week against the Falcons. The Falcons had, when they ran, a lot of success with uh, Cordero Patterson. But the Bills are also one of those teams that does not bang their head against the wall when you see a Vita Vea, Because the, the Bucks' run defense is is more name-driven than performance-driven over these last couple of weeks, is my point. It's they, they, They've got fast linebackers. They've got Vita Veya. Usually when the Bills see that type of defensive front, They do what we said the Bucs did last week. They said, it's a Josh Allen game. You're going to go throw the ball. We've seen the Bills have games where they've thrown the ball 20 times before they had their third carry and all that stuff. And we've seen other teams have that success against the Bucs at times this year where they don't even try to run the ball and they just chuck it around. The Colts two weeks ago did a great job. Um, It just – turnovers killed them, right? Is this a Josh Allen game? Is it really just all on him winning through the air – or this Bills team that has tried to run the ball a little bit more in recent weeks with uh, Brita adding some speed to the mix and all that. They've tried to run the ball to add balance. I just don't know if if this is the game where they're going to look at that matchup and say, yeah, let's let's do that again. I think the Bills are going to try to put it in Josh Allen's hands and say, go get him. Go be our star.
0: Yeah, but but the question is sort of, are they going to do that with that, you know, you you need to be patient. If Tampa Bay is going to play that type of defense that takes away the deep shot that you love so much, you're going to have to be, we want the ball in your hands, but you need to be careful with it. You You can't just press and go nuts and try and force all these passes in that aren't necessarily there. That's where the problems have come for Josh Allen this season is where teams have forced him to be patient, and he hasn't been. He's been aggressive, and that's where he gets into trouble so I I love this
1: matchup the whole uh, everything about it uh Bills you know coming off a a short week a tough loss uh you never know what you're gonna get I mean it's not it's not a rivalry or anything like that Brady and the Bills have played each other a million times through the years but it's one of those it's it's one of those games that you mark at the beginning of the season like this could be a Super Bowl preview and it still could be but boy the
0: Bills the Bills need this more the Bills are in a really weird spot because I think they are a really good team still um but they just match up badly against several specific sides. Multiple, multiple of them are going to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all of a sudden, they've kind of constructed this roster to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And a Kansas City Chiefs team that might not exist anymore in terms of how they're built. But all of a sudden, it's like they sort of took for granted the idea of getting to the AFC championship game. Right? We'll... brush aside all these other lesser sides, and then we've constructed this team that can beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, all of a sudden, the most difficult matchups they're likely to face are the ones before getting to the AFC Championship game. If Kansas City happens to be waiting for them, then they actually match up pretty well. But, like, can they beat a Tennessee team if they're dominant dominating on the ground. Okay, Derrick Henry makes that easier. Can you beat Indianapolis in a wild card round? Can That's you beat take, Sam? Can you beat New England if that happens yeah. again? Like those are the teams and Tampa Bay is an interesting sort of split the difference. Like they're they can go either way in terms of which type of game plan they run. So do they just play their normal game and go like, whatever, let's let's, let's just see who the better team is. Or do they look at Buffalo and say, no, this is a team that really struggles against physicality on either side of the ball. Let's make that happen.
1: Fascinating because,
0: yeah, since week six,
1: Buffalo's three and four with losses to the Titans, the Jaguars, the, the one of the weird games, losing nine to six, crushed by the Indianapolis Colts and beaten by the Patriots. Those the hard-nosed, physical, run-first types of teams. Is that a trend? Is that just what the Bills are? And I think it is interesting that you're taking this as like, they're trying to beat the Chiefs and, oh, by the way, they're... They're losing to teams that they just don't match up well against. Uh, we'll see. It should be a good one. From a Bucks perspective, I know it's, I said the Bills need it more. From the Bucs perspective, they're trying to get that number one seed. They're a game behind the Arizona Cardinals. They're tied with the Green Bay Packers. And on paper, this is the Bucs' most difficult game for the rest of the year. They've got, um, they've got the Bills, Saints, and then uh, Panthers twice and the Jets. So um, Gronk said Brady's in uh, playoff mode. He's focused here. Mm. So Tommy's... Uh, Tommy's be intense right now and uh so highest graded quarterback against the highest graded coverage unit this week where are you going on this one
0: uh, um I think I think you have to lean Tampa Bay I I think there's two I think they're capable of running the blueprint on both sides of the ball and until Buffalo shows that it can stop that, I think that they they're probably going to see that. So if Tampa Bay runs that, I think they win and they cover. Uh, the only way it doesn't happen is if they, they, they do what the Raiders did, you know, and say, yeah, I, I see that nice blueprint over there. I'm gonna ignore that and just run what we want to run.
1: All right, I'm gonna go Tampa Bay as well. I think they'll have answers for Buffalo's defense. I, I, I think, yeah, we'll learn a lot about what Tre'Davious White means going forward here. And the Bucks have just been, uh, they've just been so good at home. So I think that's also a big factor here. Also a factor is Manscaped Mm. launching new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PFF for 20% off, plus free shipping inside the Performance Package 4.0. You'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower, Sam. Mm-hmm. As we always remind or the people. Rain or the pool. You know, wherever you want to do that. Wherever. It's all waterproof. It's all test waterproof. it out. Just test it. <laughs> they also launched, as we mentioned, the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Those, they all have the key ingredients for hydrating, nourishing, and conditioning the scalp and strengthening your hair at the same time. What
0: We are 100% not legally liable for anywhere you might be testing the Lomo or 4.0 in, in water-based situations. I'm just, no. We are not. We need our own
1: terms and conditions here. Yeah. But uh, but it's waterproof. And tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. Get So get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. There's all sorts of stuff in the Performance Package 4.0 yeah. as well.
0: It's like those, um, you know, please drink responsibly ads. It's like, please shave, shave your nuts responsibly. Please shave. <laughs>
1: All right. At, when I finish this, you give our terms, our and, terms conditions. and conditions. I'd have to yeah. think about it. Get yeah, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this
0: year. Jingle balls to the wall. PFF TNC. is not legally liable for any uh, shaving incidents. Please shave your nuts responsibly. Thank you. Well, well done. Well done. Look at you.
1: We're just taking Manscaped to the whole new level. We appreciate we appreciate Manscaped. Yeah. Especially this holiday
0: season. Go buy some Manscaped stuff.
1: All right. Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals by two and a half. This is the game, Sam. This is the game. The game. That you're supposed to that this is why. This is why you go get
0: Matthew Stafford. Monday it's this night game. football. It's Monday Prime night. Football time. Time. Oh, it's gonna be great. No Mannings though, right? No Mannings. There's no Mannings this no. week? I don't think the Mannings are coming back until the playoffs, maybe.
1: Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's too bad. Uh, this is the game. This is why you get Matthew Stafford. Okay. To win this type of game. You also got him to win the type of game a couple weeks ago yeah. at Green Bay. But when you're facing the division-leading Arizona Cardinals, 10-2 and two Arizona Cardinals, a Cardinals team that has been uh, maybe just the best all-around team in the NFL, they continue to impress. Um, I'm not going to let the five fans in my mentions that are attacking me, I'm not going to let them skew my view of the Arizona Cardinals and just how impressive They've been this season, but what are you looking for in this game here with the Rams and Cardinals? Would you obviously hate the Arizona Cardinals? I am completely biased against them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. I mean, Stafford, of all the teams in the NFL, that's who I chose. Right. Arizona, of course. The that's the the interesting thing, right? Does Stafford show up this time? I mean, Eric was joking in our live shows that Stafford it's not a win in Lambo kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely winning a dome guy. Right. Well, there's the thing, right? You don't have to win in Lambeau. Now you get to win in the desert in the nice dome with no wind, no weather, no, you know, nothing bad. You just got to go out there and ball. And Stafford has these inbuilt excuses now of injuries and constant pain and yada, yada. And, you know, the last game, Stafford had been telling them it's not an excuse. So look, you can't have it both ways. It's either an excuse or it isn't. And if it is an excuse, how do you explain what happened in the first eight games of the season? So, Let's assume that Stafford is no more or less injured than any other starting quarterback at this point in the season. This is who he is. He now needs to go out there and show that he's capable of putting up those big numbers and not making mistakes with the ball and getting it where it needs to go. And I understand he doesn't have Robert Woods anymore, but these but he are the things. Does have Cooper Cup. Does have Cooper Cup. Does have OBJ, who showed last week that he's still capable of making some plays. Does have Van Jefferson. He's got weapons there. All right, the first matchup, Arizona wins 37-20. to 20.
1: And remember, those week four, the Rams were coming off of a huge win against the Bucs, right? It felt like this, you know, we've arrived, we're the best team in the NFC type of moment for the Rams at the time, even though the Cardinals were also undefeated. And it was mm-hmm. a 3-0, 3-0 matchup. I predicted a tie in that <laughs> tie. game. That was my one time I predicted a tie. Uh, I was wrong. Because yeah. the Cardinals Cardinals owned them, Sam. But also, it was, it was also the worst... Uh, Stafford had played well to that point, but he started missing throws in this game. He started to miss some open third downs, some key passes, and uh, and that was a big uh you know, a big part of the game that came back to bite for the Rams. So I'm not putting it all on Stafford, but for all the offseason discussion that we had, like this is where the edge is supposed to be, right? If you go into this game with Jared Goff as your quarterback, you know, the line's probably steeper, you know expectations are lower for the rams it's like oh you know we just got to play a clean game and this is like this is all right go win it rams passing attack there's, there's a lot of pressure on stafford here i think in this one
0: that game was also pretty interesting because the rams essentially did nothing in terms of rotation or different things on offense they almost lined up with the same 11 guys every single play they used 14 players on offense in the entire game um seven of those snaps were Sony Deshaun Jackson had 22 when he was still part of the team, and Johnny Mund had 20. As like the only rotation involved was those three guys coming in for a few snaps, a handful of snaps each. Other than that, it was the exact same group of 11 guys lining up every single play, which is something that has been kind of criticism of McVay's offense in the past, that they are just too one-dimensional. They do not show you enough differences to cause defenses problems they play this 11 personnel look and this is what we run time after time after time and eventually defenses figure this stuff out like you know the nfl one of the key differences between the nfl and college or other areas is just how much time everybody has to study tape and work you out and if you only show them the same things it's not going to take defenses that long to figure out what you're doing and to be able to defend it so I guess my point is are the rams going to show more to arizona this this time than they did in the first matchup it's ironic that's how you used to describe the cardinals right yeah not showing enough but uh look I, the cardinals offense
1: this year they got deandre hopkins back last week obviously got kyler murray back last week as well you just see their uh the versatility that they have offensively with with deandre hopkins not necessarily being the guy that they rely on all the time they've They've had games where it's AJ Green. They've had games where it's Rondell Moore. Where it's Christian Kirk. Where it's the run game. Uh, they're that team this year. This it was like the Niners in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, where the Niners had games where they relied on Jimmy G. They had games where it was the run game, right? They they could win in different ways, and I do think that plays right. I I, I mentioned that a lot, but I think I think Arizona is the team that's shown it maybe as much as anybody this year. Uh, defense has really impressed me this season. Yeah, um, Here's the other number that stood out in that first game. Aaron Donald had a 51 pass rushing grade for the Rams. I mean, he is, he is above 70 or 80. He's above 80 in almost every other game this year, above 90 in a bunch. So he had two games in the 50s. One of them was this Arizona game in week 4. 39 rushes, only two pressures. So Arizona's you know, generally quick passing attack did a really good job of kind of taking him out of the game. And as we've talked about with the Rams, if they are a star-driven team— if you could take one of them out, negate his pass rushing ability just by getting rid of the ball quickly, it's a huge step. You know, that's a huge starting point with the other, the other star being Jalen Ramsey and then you know, maybe Vaughn Miller. Uh, but that would be something else to keep an eye on. Aaron Donald, who dominates everyone, was good in the run game in this, game, this one, but from a pass rush standpoint was uh,
0: not nearly as effective as he usually is. Yeah, and he's coming off the best game of his season and the best game he's had for quite a while against the Jags. He was an absolute wrecking ball for them. A ton of pressure in that game. Monster, PFF, pass rushing grade in particular. Had a forced fumble in the run game as well. Like Donald had the first game for a while where you sort of remembered just how ridiculously good he is. Um, and, yeah, the, he, they need him to show up in this game. Um, so Kyler Kyler
1: last week makes his return. Tough conditions, tough passing conditions uh, in the in the Bears game. There were a couple fumbles in there for Kyler mm-hmm. in that game. Small hand moments. You, small hand moments. Said. Even though he's got nine and a half inch hands, mm-hmm.
0: he t- he uh, he's, he stretches them out for the. For well, the so he must have. Uh, you can get away with essentially determining anybody to having yeah, he's small, got like small like hands. Brett Favre relative, had small hands relative to you. Uh, Monday Night Football. This
1: is going to be great. Where are you leaning in this game? I mentioned the Cardinals too. Like they're not going to play outdoors the rest of the season, and they you know they're in control for the number one seed. They have a chance to. You know, control their own destiny, so to speak, and never have to leave Arizona when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, where are you leaning? In Which there? I
0: think is probably important for them. Um, yeah, i I've been impressed by Arizona as much as any team in the NFL this year in terms of getting through their potential setbacks. You know, getting through games without um, Kyla Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins that defense has been overachieving I think but it, it's been overachieving for so long I think it's pointless trying to expect it to go back down at some stage so let's keep it going let's buy in Arizona
1: I have to keep my Arizona bias for this week hey there hate them you know they're just the records 10 and 2 and I am I am extremely impressed uh, I think anytime you could you, Colt McCoy went out there and uh, did a did a good enough job and they they moved the ball and they had one one stinker really against the the Panthers with him as the quarterback. Other than that, they've continued to impress, continued to impress. I will, I don't love it. I'm going to lean Rams though. Ooh. I think Rams pull the upset. I, I'm I'm taking more of a high level view of if you told me at the beginning of the season, the Cardinals would be much better and the Rams would be this good. I think they'd split. It's not really even an upset. I mean, it's like, it's a close game, even like two and a half. No, of course it is. Um, so the the two things i'm I don't want to buy into narrative stuff. The narrative stuff is all. Oh, mcVeigh's offense is always trash in the second half of the I, I'm not necessarily buying into that this week. I do think Arizona's defense is overachieved. They've been very impressive. They've overachieved just a touch. um, uh, but this is gonna be awesome to it's gonna be a great game to watch and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just gonna lean
0: uh, Rams definite um statement game for Arizona if they manage to win it.
1: Oh, for sure. absolutely. and they've had other.
0: Yeah, yeah, They've It wouldn't be the first, games. but this was this is, this would be a big one.
1: And, and boy, they look. Green Bay rolled in there with without any playmakers and all that stuff, and you know, but if AJ Green just you know turns around for the ball, Arizona wins that game as well. Kyler Murray basically threw a game-winning touchdown that turned into a game-ending yeah. interception. Um, and Kyler's been uh, fantastic this season uh, overall, especially you know throwing the ball to the intermediate level and all those new things that he's doing. So um, awesome, awesome game. I can't wait. It's going to be great. All right, got to tell you about our friends over at X Chair. Working from home is more important than ever now. You can optimize your home office with an X Chair and our many accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, there's no going back. That's the DVL. That's where they have the LMX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for the X Chair. Versatile comfort, extraordinary design. X Chair fits any space. I love it. High performance, quality engineering, extreme uh, comfort. And of course, the massage and heating and cooling. That's why I love my X chair and, you know, love to get to work every single morning at home in my home office with the X chair. So go to xchairnflpod.com now. That's the letter X, chair, NFLpod, N-F-L-P-O-D.com. Or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchairnflpod.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description.
0: Mm-hmm. This is another great gift idea. Stupidly comfortable X-Chairs, unlike yeah. these stools that were perched on here.
1: I've got my kids trying to sit in it all the time. They're like, oh, Daddy, I love your, I love your new chair. I'm like, yeah. no, no, son. Out. This is mine. Get out. This is my chair. Yeah. All sorts of different styles and all that stuff to customize as well. So go check it out, xchairnflpod.com. I, there was... There was Probably three other games, I think, in the running for game of the week. I went with Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns okay. just because it was so ugly a couple weeks ago. It's got to be better in this one, right? It was just <laughs> one of the most disgusting games of the season. And it wasn't even a weather game. It was just Lamar and Baker just couldn't complete passes. And Lamar tried to only complete passes to the Browns, and it was just horrible. Uh, but it's awesome. It's a great, hard-nosed, AFC-central matchup that's what it is yeah what are you looking for in this game
0: um do the browns continue yeah do the browns continue the game plan that everybody else has been running against lamar jackson lately which is just blitz the hell out of him? um is this so we talk about this a lot
1: right here's this blueprint so to speak for how teams have uh slowed this opposing offense and we always ask the question will this defense do it Historically in the NFL, though, there are so many defenses that just don't, they just, we do what we do. Yeah. Is this going to be a new trend in the NFL where every team needs to be more malleable for these week-to-week type of game plans? I'm not trying to take you off the rails here, but we hear this come up a lot. I mean, I think teams have to do that.
0: I don't know if they'll have to, but I think what it does is highlight real issues if your system can't adapt like this. So if you look at, whatever about determining that you are better off sticking with what you do than adopting a specific blueprint for a specific offense. But if you're looking at this and, you know, your Monday meeting for game prep for the next team is, look, this is the way to beat them. This is absolutely what we should be doing. We just don't think we have the personnel to do that. Now I think you have a real problem. Like That, I think, speaks to a bad methodology of building a defense, that if you're – completely unable to adapt a different game plan for the next opposition, I think you have some problems. So anything short of that, I think you're okay. But Lamar Jackson is now the single worst-graded quarterback in the NFL uh, against the Blitz. Um, sorry, that's that's a, that's a last week he was the single worst, but they've been blitzing the hell out of him all season. It's been, you know, the, and the Dolphins game was one first. of the worst. Yeah. Not dead last, but he ranks amongst the worst quarterbacks in the NFL against the Blitz this year. Obviously, Miami took that to extremes, right? By blitzing basically every snap, and not just blitzing one guy, but blitzing multiple, essentially both safeties every single play. Every single play, and they were kind of hemming him in in the pocket. Other teams, though, have just been blitzing him, quote unquote, normally. You know, just sending extra guys, and it's been working. Like Lamar, the only people worse than him against the blitz this year are essentially all of the rookie terrible quarterbacks. So Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mike White with the Jets as well. Mike Glennon, you know, didn't work. Davis Mills, and then Lamar. The thing about handling
1: the blitz is it's not just a quarterback thing, though. It is a scheme thing. I mean, obviously, it's football and everything's connected. But um, if you – it's it's tough to always compare everything to the Breezes and Bradys and Rodgers and Mannings of the world. But if you watch the best quarterbacks in the world – year after year and you're like oh we would never blitz those guys and why is that they always seem to have an open receiver and they know which one to throw to so I mean half the battle is blitz recognition knowing where to go but the other half is having a scheme that is giving you answers and then there's a difference in blitzes you know when you get that zero blitz that they've attached with Lamar with a bunch it's different you're not always finding an underneath route you're generally throwing the ball down the field if it's a five man blitz with zone you know fire zone you're just trying to find these underneath receivers my point is, the Ravens also need to, as a whole, Greg Roman, you know, needs to find answers. As much as we want to talk about Sean McVay and this, you know, big second-half adjustment and the league's, league knows how to attack them. How, what's Greg Roman going to do in Baltimore? How are they going to have answers for the Blitz? Because it's got to be a whole scheme thing. Um, the other way to beat Blitz and the pressure in, general, and pressure in general is, again, receivers getting open, right? And Baltimore, on paper, should be more equipped than they ever have. To, to have open guys who get open quickly, the way Marquise Brown has a, you know, emerged and Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins and all the guys that they've had this year. It's the best receiving core that Lamar has had. And I think it's a really pivotal point for the Ravens here. These last few weeks of the season, how are they going to adjust to the way the NFL has attacked them? I mean, that's the name of the game in the NFL, right? We've got this parody season of NFL. It's really going to come down to which teams hide their weaknesses best, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this year appears to be slightly strange to me in terms of, um, I think you hear a lot of the times that, hey, there's a narrative to beating this team or there's a blueprint to beating this team and usually it's crap. Like usually it's just there is a specific team that matches up very well. Like that isn't a blueprint. That's just being better in certain areas. But this year I think there are legitimate blueprints to beating several of the top contenders, certainly in the AFC, there is an actual blueprint to causing Kansas City's offense problems. There is an actual blueprint to causing Buffalo's offense problems. It's actually the same. There is an actual blueprint to causing Lamar Jackson problems. Like, all of a sudden, there are these set ways of, de- of defending these guys that weren't in the past. Lamar Jackson isn't just the, one of the worst graded quarterbacks against the Blitz. He's also seen more Blitz snaps than anybody else in the NFL. Like, it is definitely something teams are looking at and saying – this is the way we attack this guy. Um, And okay, there are teams that are better equipped to do it. Like Miami was perfectly content to play zero blitz every time because they just dumped a ton of money into their cornerbacks. So Miami, more than most teams in the league, is perfectly prepared to throw those guys on an island and say, earn your money today because you're not going to have any safety help. Other teams are not going to be so willing to do that, but it is still the best way of attacking Lamar Jackson. But the Browns. They have the great Jeremiah uso Carmela, so you can do anything with him. I mean, you, if you want him to blitz, and the Browns are another you, team that have dumped a lot of resources into that secondary.
1: They have. They just they they are more of a zone heavy type of team. Um, not that you can't play zone with the blitz, but it's not necessarily going to look the way it did with uh, with Miami a few weeks back. Um, Jok again, one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL, but he was he was awesome in that game the other night. Uh, Or, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Ravens, uh, tackling Lamar in the open field, tracking him down, using that speed. Again, I half-joked that they drafted him for those types of games. We're going to see more of that, you know, whether it is um, as a blitzer or as a spy. So I think he's another, just another guy to keep an eye on. The Dolphins blitz more than everybody. So they might not be the best uh, standard here. Where do the Browns rank? 26th in blitz rate. So again, it's, it's one of those... You're, you're asking your team to come slightly out of your comfort zone. They did it at times against the Ravens. Slightly out of your comfort zone, but to attack a weakness rather than to play to your strength. So they that'll be the schematic game that we're, uh, that we're looking at here. On the other side, the Ravens not having Marlon Humphrey. We mentioned that on the PFF NFL Daily the other day. At what point is the secondary just so beat up that it is problematic for this Ravens team that does want to also blitz
0: and play a lot of man coverage behind the him. browns blitz lamar 26% of the time the last time they met um but <laughs> they didn't need to like <laughs> the other thing <laughs> is it worked
1: i mean so lamar said he was rusty he was coming off of illness and this like he just he didn't have a feel for his passes they weren't getting to where i mean he had four turn- turnover worthy plays and three interceptions right or uh so no, the other versa. way around. three three turnover worthy plays four actual interceptions I think from a Browns perspective, you're not
0: expecting that, but we said but that's last the week. thing thing. Lamar's
1: like, had multiple turnover-worthy plays in most of his games this year. They
0: didn't need to do anything when they didn't blitz him and when they kept him clean, he threw three turnover-worthy plays and four picks. Like they just, they just right. left him alone in the pocket and said, do what you do, and Lamar was airmailing the ball straight to defenders. So it'd be interesting to see if Lamar looks better this week. Do they dial it up and try and get him out of that comfort? Yeah, so that matchup will be great. And now
1: um, Browns are coming off the bye. And yes. Andrew Berry, uh, did we talk about this on the podcast? But he had some stern, he had some like father-like uh, words to say about Baker Mayfield. You know, like I expect, you know, it was kind of like a, a stern father saying, you know, these, these are my expectations, son. These are my expectations for these next five weeks. I expect, I expect good football out of you. And I uh, felt like this is a big test here. This is a big test for Baker Mayfield. He said, "Baker's healthy enough to play football. Mm-hmm. He's healthy enough to help us win games. He's our best option to win games, and we expect he'll play his best football in December and January mm-hmm. down the stretch." I'm paraphrasing, of course. So, what's going to happen these last few weeks is Baker going to earn that contract, or the Browns going to walk? Or are they just going to offer him half what he what he wants? This is uh,
0: the storyline just continues
1: to get better.
0: I mean, Baker's contract number is going down on a weekly basis, like the the worse he plays, the less money he's gonna earn. I don't know what that contract can possibly look like at this point. It it feels like the longer his bad play continues, the more they have to be destined for some kind of separation or or not even separate. like maybe he become he gets the Kirk Cousins treatment, right? Where he just starts operating on a series of one year, you know, the fifth year option, then the franchise tag, then bye-bye. Um but they can't give him a Josh Allen kind of contract off the back of this, it would be ridiculous. Yeah, and that's fine. Um, I think this could work for Baker though too. If he grits it
1: out and actually performs well, and you know has one of those gritty wins against uh,
0: a Ravens team and all that stuff, you know, it could could work for him potentially. I mean, it could. But like, when was the last he, the last time he played well? Was against Cincinnati in Week Nine? Then he's at three. And he was just fresh off the high of OBJ being out of the building. Yeah, exactly. Then he had three pretty terrible games back to back. Including... Now,
1: since that point, you know what the analysis is? Boy, Cleveland could really use a number one wide receiver. Yeah, which is also true. Both things can be true. They didn't have a number one wide receiver in OBJ. He no. wasn't. He wasn't playing like that. But now this offense could use better receiving weapons. That's another factor in this, Sam. Right? If this, if Baker wasn't hurt, wouldn't we be looking at the situation like we've looked at other quarterback situations and said? Yeah, the offensive line's fine, but who's he throwing to? Yeah. Just a decent possession receiver in Jarvis Landry, the tight ends. That I they mean, there's in. enough
0: there, but you would say, yeah, this is a team crying out for a number one option. Um, he's had multiple turnover worthy plays in each of those last three games now. The, he had three turnover worthy plays against the Patriots, which was a turnover worthy play rate of 12.5%. Because they didn't throw a ton. <laughs>
1: Well, Which even the Lions game, you know, ridiculous. so that, those are the more concerning things. I know the Lions are fresh off their win, but and they've played some teams tough in recent weeks. But you, you kind of want to see
0: more efficiency against the lesser teams. Yes. We haven't even seen that from Baker Mayfield. Right? I mean, 176 defense. yards against the Detroit Lions is pretty inexcusable. Uh, is weather going to be a factor in this? Anybody want to look up the weather report and drop it in the YouTube chat here? Anybody want to look you?
1: Because uh, it's at Cleveland and it's in December. But these are the games. That you got to win. Cleveland is favored. By the way, all this said, Cleveland's favored by two and a half. And I know, you know, when when you're within three points, it's not saying a ton, but are you surprised that Cleveland's favored here
0: Uh, against the eight and four Baltimore Ravens? Right. And they're both actually in very similar positions in the PFF power rankings. They're separated by one spot, 12 and 13. But what's critical is that Baltimore obviously has a much better. Uh, standing in terms of playoffs and all those kinds of things. They are 73% to win that division, 47% – or sorry, 47% to win the division, 73% to make the playoffs. The Browns are only a 16% chance to win the division and a 28% chance to win – the to make the playoffs. So they – I mean, this is a must-win game for them. If they don't win this game, they're pretty much boned.
1: I got word from uh, from Beckett working uh working behind the scenes over here at PFF 45 and sunny for this game I'm disappointed perfect I don't want that you don't want nice weather no I want I want flurries that's perfect football
0: weather I want 26 degrees
1: snow flurries
0: no, no. accumulation just flurries I just last want... the last game they played took me out of any desire for bad weather for <laughs> them like let's just have a nice perfect game and let's hope to get some good football from Lamar and Baker all right well hoping for a good one it's it's a great it's oh, this is gonna be a good game
1: i'm excited for a lot of the games this week cleveland by two and a half where are you lean in here
0: uh i mean i think you have to lean baltimore given what we've seen from the browns lately really Elder mayfield yeah like baltimore getting points here is what i'm I, i'm leaning that way too i, I thought also, you might go the other I way i can't though. think that that lamar is going to play this badly for this long that's, like, that's kind of my take too he's kind of Dropped off the face of the earth in terms of grading. His grade has gone from up in the '80s to the '60s, the '50s, the '40s. There's no reason for do it. There's some splits here. What are his? Uh, where's he ranking over these last few weeks? I understand that teams are blitzing him more, and that's part of the issue. But it's not like Lamar has never seen the blitz before. Let's this do is a little not since Week Nine. Since Week. nine. And by the way,
1: Week Nine was when uh, you know, that, not that fans ever criticize us, but you know, he had three touchdowns against Minnesota and. He's the MVP and all this stuff. Like, actually, he didn't play that great of a game. Mm. Um, since week nine, which he was that game, Lamar last. is 41st out of these qualifiers. He's 40, 41 out of 42 if you include Mike Glennon, who has one start. So he yeah, has a dead passing last. grade, he's 42 out of 42. He is dead 40th. Last. I mean, 40.6 passing grade. Yeah. Um, I was looking at it the other day, too. In 2019, three of the top five quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Russell
0: Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, all ranking in the 20s this year. By the way, in the same time period, Baker Mayfield is 36th in passing grade and 38 Oh, gosh, yeah. He's got a 52. So Baker's really outgrading Lamar.
1: <laughs> Let's do this. S- since week nine, Russell Wilson with a 52 grade. They Baker are two- Mayfield, 52. Lamar Jackson, 45. Yes.
0: Since week nine, they are two of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs>
1: Best quarterbacks are Tom Brady's highest graded, mm-hmm. then Justin Fields, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Tua. Exactly, and Taylor Heineke. And Tua right next to Taylor Heineke Taylor and Josh Heineke.
0: Johnson. Exactly
1: the way we always thought. Oh man, short uh, small sample size splits are are fun. So we're both leaning Baltimore here in part because Lamar's probably not going to play at a forty five level like he has over the last four weeks. You would think. I'm, I I would think that's why I'm saying that. Yeah. Let's take let's take Baltimore on this one. Uh, I'm going to take DraftKings as well. As football fans, I'm sure you would love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, unlike that Ravens-Cleveland game the first time around. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars, dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. Promo code PFF. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only a minimum $5 deposit. $1 dollar wage required. One per customer. Restrictions. Apply. See DraftKings.com. Sportsbook. Details. Was that English? Hmm. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We started through some words. Sure. Like my two-year-old. He's trying to put a lot of words together, and like the first few you get, and at some point it's just gibberish. Much like my terms and conditions right there. Anyway, go to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code PFF. Coming to town this week, the San Francisco 49ers. We should meet up with Kyle. Yeah. Hey, what about Bobby? I'm going to text Bobby right now. <laughs> Let's go grab dinner <laughs> on Saturday, Bobby. The uh, Niners are favored by one and a half here against the Bengals.
0: Yeah. Um, this is fun. Like, D- So Debo Samuel was the guy that the entire offense was running through. Um, he looked incredible, was lining up in the backfield as much as he was in the slot for his last couple of games. And then Debo goes down, uh, groin uh, tear, strain, groin strain, uh, misses the game last week, so they just pivot to George Kittle. It's like, oh, remember George Kittle? He actually turns out he's freaking amazing Unstoppable still. Kittle. Right. 100-plus yards after the catch, 76 yards after contact after the catch, the dude just monstered the defense and was a big reason that San Francisco was in position to try and win that game late. Um, So now the the Debo thing is is up in the air. We don't know if he's going to play or not. But it honestly doesn't matter. I'm just so fascinated by these unique playmakers that the 49ers have on offense that even – regardless of what Shanahan's doing with the scheme or Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy steering the ship, just the fact that they can put guys like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Brandon Ayuk out there. They are so entertaining to watch because each one of those guys is a rare slash unique skill set that nobody else can match up with. And okay, they might not have the sort of perfect, uh, Puzzle when they're all healthy in terms of how to share it all around, how to make sure each guy is having a huge impact. But in any given game, one of those guys is going to be doing something pretty special.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been fantastic, and they've uh, been one of those teams that you know, if we described this early in the season, you would say this is this is what they'll look like, right? Um, and then we as we just mentioned, in the small sample size of Jimmy Garoppolo playing really well in recent weeks, he started off really slow, uh, slow enough. That this is this is this is funny, right? I mean, if you look back, after the indie uh river rain game, and they asked, Kyle, is Jimmy G your quarterback? Mm-hmm. What was it? I, quote, I suppose. Yeah. Since I suppose. This is like the Aaron Rodgers, you know, after like the run the table, we're gonna run the table. Since I suppose, Jimmy G has graded in the green every single time if you're using Pre, uh, PFF premium stats, and if you want to go uh get your edge or elite package, you get 25 off using uh, promo code NFL Pod. You can do that. Um, but I'm just looking at you know Jimmy G's player page here, and since Week Eight at Chicago, that was when this offense really broke out. Uh, he has been really good since I suppose since the Trey Lance hype really started. So Garoppolo playing at a similar level as he did in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. So this is a big part of why the 49ers are dangerous, of course. Looking back now, last week's a very disappointing loss against that Seattle team. They had a chance to win. Garoppolo couldn't lead that fourth-quarter comeback, but um, Niners' offense certainly trending in the right direction these last few weeks.
0: Yeah, maybe all he needed was a uh, a kick up the ass. (laughs) Just get out there and play better. You're not playing well right now. Just be better. And even last week, he got them right down to the goal line, and if that pass wasn't batted, the last pass that determined the game, it was going to hit the guy for a touchdown, I'm pretty sure. So... Okay, he didn't get it done, but he was right there on the edge of it. Um, now, look, that was a weird game because he had some, he had a couple of terrible decisions in that game, um, but at 10 yards per attempt, and as we say, it was right there. It was one batted pass away from snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, and you're right, the, the broader point being this is now six straight games where he's had good PFF grades. Uh, as opposed to what in the first five weeks of the season he had one and it was week one he had a week one where he's pretty good and then four straight games of mediocrity at best then bam all of a sudden you get good jimmy g and good jimmy g is good enough for this team to be to be a super bowl type of team okay their defense isn't as good as it was during their super bowl year but with all those playmakers we talked about on offense and with a good offensive line with Trent Williams just sending people into the next world in the run game, this is an an offense that becomes really formidable for any defense. Now, on the other side, a lot of the talk of the town here in Cincinnati is about Joe Burrow's interceptions.
1: He's got 14 interceptions, and the people think this could be a problem. What's happening? He's leading the league in interceptions. We sat here talking about Lamar's got to take better care of the ball. What's he doing? Well, Burrow's got more interceptions Hmm. than Lamar Jackson. But I'm here to tell you, Bengals fans, don't worry. Joe Burrow has the same exact turnover-worthy play rate as last season. 3.1% this year. It's actually slightly better than last season where he was at 3.2%. Also the same as Matthew Stafford. Also the same as Matthew Stafford. Uh, But it's in the same exact range. Last year he had, Burrow, 15 turnover-worthy plays and 5 interceptions. This year he's got 14 turnover-worthy plays and 14 interceptions. Now that doesn't mean that every turnover-worthy play became an interception you know that means there's if it's a one-to-one ratio it means clearly that interception total is higher than it should be
0: he has a marginally higher turnover worthy play rate than Aaron Rodgers who has four interceptions on the season yeah Aaron Rodgers uh having really good interception luck so far this season he's thrown the ball into harm's way a bunch that hasn't showed up on the statute I mean you only have to look last week right Joe Burrow drops an absolute dime literally into the hands of Jamar Chase and somehow that ball ends up over here to a to a cornerback who was trailing in his wake by a couple of yards. So yes, I'm just uh, I would just say I'm not terribly worried about that. I think Burrow
1: Burrow's playing good football. I, I would say Very there good is football. It, the the place where I would be slightly concerned is Burrow uh, when when there's pressure does take a high percentage of sacks. That is the number. That, one of the numbers I like to uh, defer to. Burrow's taken a ton of sacks, and we know, and, and it's a high percentage of pressured s- snaps that become sacks. And I, I do wonder how much of that is just self-preservation. There's definitely a lot of plays this year where Burrow's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll get tackled, you know, just to to live to play another day. I don't want to get hurt again. I think though, I'm just saying that's where there are negative plays here in this Bengals offense. Six sacks last week against the Chargers.
0: I actually think almost the opposite that like Burrow. It's not self-preservation. He doesn't have this self-preservation thing. He's he's almost Wentzian in terms of like, dude, just the play's done. Get there the hell been, down. There have
1: been plays like that for sure. As there well.
0: are way too many plays every week where Burrow is sort of not the architect of his own problems because the offensive line, I think, is primarily at fault, but needs to recognize earlier when the play is, when the play is inevitably ending in him getting hit and just get rid of it or hit the dirt or, you know— Literally, be better at self-preservation because you're a guy who's coming off a pretty devastating knee injury, and there's a few hits this season that he's taken where you're like, oh, don't like, come on, like, you are too important to be taking that kind of hit. Maybe I'm just thinking early in the season.
1: There were times he was like, he got sacked ten times in those first two weeks, and there was, you know, I, he he has had too many of those plays where he's he is trying to to play hero ball. So that's where I think the Bengals can be a little bit more efficient is avoiding those negative plays. Have the interception luck kind of revert back a little bit, and they'll be okay. But like figuring out the Bengals week to week here is uh, is challenging to say the least.
0: They they've almost gone like how Jamar Chase has gone this season. Like earlier in the year, they were on fire. Jamar Chase was turning everything into gold. You know, regardless of where the the pass was thrown. He was mossing guys at the catch point, or he was taking a pass and then breaking three tackles and turning it into something special. Or, you know, the ball looked like it was gonna end up in the arms of the safety, but Savage misses it and then boom, touchdown. And then the bad games where where Cincinnati has been like just wrecked by people. It's it's games where all of a sudden every pass intended for Jamar Chase ends up in something bad. He drops it, or he fumbles it away, or he somehow drops it into an interception, or right. like weird things on the other end of variance. If you just pl- plotted like a mid course of not every pass intended for him goes in a touch goes for a touchdown, and not every pass ends up intercepted or fumbled away either. If you just plotted some kind of middle ground, the Bengals would be a much more normal team, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Chase is still leading all rookies with 958 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. and But yeah, there's, there has been inconsistency there. In, a couple weeks ago, we said, if you could just get T. Higgins involved more and you know expand the offense with Chase playing at this level, you'd be great. But again, if you, do the, if you do the splits thing over the last few weeks, Chase has not been great, to your point. So Bengals have to find a way to get all of it working at the same time. I think this week, I think they get it going. This week. Niners at Cincinnati. Bengals are getting points. Give me the home underdog. better quarterback getting points at home here, Sam. That's where I'm leaning. Uh, a George Sharuri favorite. Better quarterback getting the points. And uh, nice rematch. A little Montana Boomer rematch here. Revenge game for the Bengals. A rematch. Yeah. And 82. From the 80s. Dave Lapham revenge game. Yes. Dave Lapham is going to be. He, he is going to be more fired up for this game than any other game. Maybe in uh, in history, hmm. the hated the Niners who beat beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl twice in the '80s. Give me the Bengals revenge game. Okay, for Chris, this one's for Chris. It's for
0: Dave Lapham. It's for all. Of- <laughs> this one's for Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would lean with the Bengals as well. Um, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see how they defend whatever offense the Forty ers deploy, which I think will depend on whether Debo Samuel is is going to go or not. Who are you going with? Cincy. Sorry. You're taking Cincy?
1: To, are we the same on a bunch? Who knows? All right. What's next here? Dallas at Washington. This is another good game. This could have been a game of the week. Cowboys favored by four against the Washington football team on the road. This be- begins the NFC East. mean it's just the NFC East every single weekend, mm. nonstop. Was- it's Washington, right, that only has NFC East games left? Or is it Philadelphia? Uh, possibly. Anyway, Washington. Uh, first time these two teams have played. They'll play a couple times now in these last few weeks. What are you looking for in this game? Dallas favored by four against a
0: hot Washington football team. Washington do only have NFC teams, right? They're Dallas, only... Philly, Dallas, Philly, New what York. A ridiculous schedule. <laughs> it is kind of silly. <laughs> they
1: play two teams in two out of three <laughs> weeks over the next four weeks.
0: How's that? I, I mean, yeah, I get it, but it does. It does kind of, I don't know. It just it doesn't sit quite right. Like I understand that the division games at the end of the year are kind of the most important ones, and they're like this though, right? But when it's you not... just stack them all up at the end, it's like, ah. Eh, I mean, you know, can we see something else? Um, I Taylor Heineke, I, I'm sort of fascinated by his little resurgence as well. It hasn't quite been, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. We haven't been very good, good to very good in every consecutive week, but. He finally had like a really good game against Carolina, and generally either side of that has been you know pretty good, much better than he has been earlier in the season. It's actually the Taylor Heineke thing, which I thought was going to be a mirror of Ryan Fitzpatrick in terms of wild roller coaster rides, you know, incredible highs like we saw in the playoff game against Tampa Bay, um, ridiculous lows like we saw earlier in the season against Buffalo, and just lurching from one to the next. It actually hasn't been. It's been way more consistent than that. And, you know, he has made a sort of a reasonably consistent number of turnover-worthy plays. Um, They've come inconsistently in games. They've come in bunches. But that's been his biggest flaw. And then the real issue is, like, just the the down-to-down consistency has been more or less where you'd expect it to be. It hasn't lurched from, oh, wow, Taylor Heineke isn't going to miss in this game. It's going to look like good Fitzpatrick. We were, haven't really seen that outside of like one game. But the fact that he is trending up means Washington goes from being getting blown out by a bunch of teams to being competitive against more or less anybody.
1: Yeah, the, the thing that has really stood out to me about the football team that I've mentioned too is just how, how they've been able to just sap clock and not that you're trying to win time of possession and all that stuff, but the football team has really done a good job of shortening games in part because their defense is so much better now than it was earlier in the in the year but heineke has graded well as you know since week nine because i had that filter on top five since week nine and what has that looked like it really has been hey it's third and six here's seven yards right i mean it has been a whole bunch of hitting uh an out route along the sideline to just keep the chains moving hitting the slot out route i mean hitting uh terry McLaurin throwing a jump ball to terry McLaurin every now and again letting him go up and make a play uh they have done just enough to move the chains. And that's probably the strategy you want here in this Dallas game. How much can you sap the clock, keep this explosive Dallas offense off the field, don't let them score as many points, make it into a game like uh, a 17-15 to 15 game against the Raiders, right? I mean, that's what you're, that's what you're trying to play here if you're the, if you're the Washington football team. And they've, they've done a really nice job of that in recent weeks. Um, pass rush has been really good. Um, Even without Montez Sweat, even without Chase Young, they're still getting after quarterbacks. So, yeah, Washington, they're a tricky team. And, you know, division and they're trending and all that stuff. I think Dallas is better, though, is the bottom line. I mean, they're better. They're going to play tighter man coverage and make Heineke continue to make those tight window throws, I believe. Um, So I like Dallas in this one. But I think this is another potentially really good game here with the way the football team's playing but they they're just playing with this tighter margin of error where the run game has to be keep them on course to to like to to shorten the game and i don't know if they could do it every single week in washington. my super bowl prediction is still alive oh
0: so now this is what what did you do in the sim here uh the i the sim has washington making the playoffs well what'd you do with this game Oh, what I I do with this game? I think, well, so I don't remember what I did originally, but I I was curious if Washington would still make it if they lost to Dallas both games. Um, So in the Sim, they are losing both games to Dallas. They're going to lose both games. And still making the playoffs. Are they going to cover? What's the line? Three something? Three, uh, four. Uh, No, Dallas wins and covers. I agree. Dallas wins and covers. So all that said, I think a <laughs> big part of that is emotionally hedging. You know? Dallas sure. wins and cover, covers. I get it right. Therefore, good. If they don't, Better quarterback Washington... on the
1: road, though. I mean, get, <laughs> better quarterback getting points, though. Taylor Heineke.
0: If Washington wins, then my Super Bowl dream is still alive. Uh, Dak's throwing the ball pretty well. I mean, they he kind of...
1: Uh, hurt his grade on uh, thursday night football he was he was playing pretty well with some big time throws but thursday night football late interception that kind of keep the saints in the game almost blew it late um but overall dak having a really good season 85 passing grade that's his best season eight turnover uh, eight big time throws over these last couple weeks so i'm expecting it to be uh dak chucks it around and has some success type of game I'll t- i will take dallas to cover
0: washington has a 55 percent chance of making the playoffs according to the BFF power rankings like that i mean yeah. my my simulation agrees the uh the fact that they're able to lose to dallas twice and still make it is you know pretty important for them um because you know the nfc east the whole sort of wrapped up end of the season is going to be weird there's going to be some Games go the you know one way that shouldn't maybe they split the series with Dallas and then maybe they can drop one to Philadelphia or whatever but it it is interesting for Washington that despite this sort of disappointment of a season all of a sudden they are on the cusp of the playoffs. I mean if they if if Washington sweeps Dallas
1: that would that puts them even basically yeah and then you don't know what happens in the other because you know, there's a two if Dallas has a two game lead if Washington could could pull it off could sweep them all of a sudden it's like. Even division and see what happens in those last three games with Washington with the tiebreaker. So, huge game here in the uh, glorious NFC East. They're not as bad as they were last year. Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs favored by nine and a half. The Chiefs team that cannot move the ball, they can't do anything offensively. Once again, favored by almost double digits.
0: This is like Denver last week. Yeah. It's like a nine point game. You're like, Kansas City might not score enough to cover a nine point spread, but Denver didn't score last week, essentially. So the Chiefs. uh, Let's go through there. Ready? Chiefs
1: points scored since. uh, Let's go since week seven. Three points against the Titans. Twenty against the Giants. Thirteen against the Packers. Forty-one against the Raiders. Uh Uh Nineteen against the Cowboys.
0: Twenty-two against the Broncos.
1: What stand? Anything stand out in that list?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. The, uh, the Raiders, the team that looked at the blueprint to defeating um, Kansas City and said, no, nah, not for me. We're going to roll with what we roll with and see how that works. It didn't work so well. It did not. Um, so
1: there's, you know, once again, will the Raiders schematically change things? Um, to the other point, though, as I mean, you mentioned they in don't. the Denver game, did Denver even do that a whole lot? Is it really just Kansas City's got some issues and they just, you know, in a dome against the Raiders? Well, Denver, I think,
0: game. Denver, I think didn't necessarily need to do it because they're very good at taking away the deep ball anyway. Yeah. So they could afford to live. And they did do it a bit, right? They pivoted more towards too high stuff than they have done this season. So it's not like they just ignored it completely. They did shift in that direction. But we're still able to lean on the fact that they are good at discouraging the deep ball regardless. The Raiders aren't. So the Raiders looked at that and said, no, we are not going to go with that game plan. We're going to run our defense and see how that holds up. Well, it didn't hold up well. Now, going into that game, you can at least excuse them. It was an open question, right? We hadn't really seen everybody was running that type of defense against Kansas City. We hadn't really seen what happens when a team just ignores that and does something different. So you can kind of understand how they would make that decision to begin with, to say, look, it's a risk to completely change our defense. We don't know. Well, let's just stick with what we know best. You know, better the devil, you know, type of thing, right? Okay, I can understand that evidently it was the wrong call they got wrecked because of it they're the only team in whatever that is six weeks that kansas city has had joy against so if if they do it again that's just negligent like that's just bad coaching there's no way you are definitely better at this point going with the devil you don't know and assuming that that can't be worse than the one you know which was destroyed last time so if, if the Raiders roll into this game again and haven't changed, like that's just terrible.
1: It's also one of those games when you're previewing it, we would say something like, oh, Max Crosby needs to have a huge game. we got to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Well, in the first matchup, Andrew Wiley filled in at right tackle for the Chiefs, got whooped. Max Crosby had 13 pressures. Now, yeah. no sacks. Only hit Mahomes twice. 11 pressures in there. Wiley did not have a great game. Trey Smith didn't have a great game from a pass rushing standpoint. They got a decent amount of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but they didn't do anything with it, so to speak, right? Um, you got to to actually get him to the ground once or twice, force some errant throws, or um, going back to, like, the Lamar factor, if you're going to pressure or blitz, you want to take away those escape uh, escape routes. We've seen the Raiders do that um, in a different system last year. They did a really nice job with that, but I think that's going to be another key. Like, if Max Crosby gets another eight or nine pressures in this game, uh, one or two of them needs to be a sack or a couple times it's got to force him into someone else or just you know force some errant throws here from Holmes if the Raiders going to have success
0: the uh, the flip side to those numbers uh, on offense by the way is look at the the points conceded by the Chiefs in the last run of games yeah go through it so 13 against Washington okay 27 against Tennessee that's not great then uh, 17 against the Giants, 7 against the Aaron Rodgers less Packers, 14 against the Raiders, 9 against Denver or Dallas, 9 against Denver. The Kansas City defense has all of a sudden become one of the best defenses in the NFL in history. You're right. They've gone <laughs> they've honestly almost gone from being literally the worst defense in the NFL to being the best in the the flip of a switch randomly midway through the season it's insane what the defense has done
1: it reminds me a little bit i mean i don't know if if you say 2017 or it's four years ago are we dating ourselves too much but um the new england patriots that year remember they just got stefan gilmore and their first four or five weeks were getting absolutely torched gilmore they had blown coverages left and right and we had this we had the stat like the patriots blew coverages you know right 15 times or something in five weeks and then after that it was like two right um a lot of the chiefs issues the beginning of the season was just blown coverage. Now they got they got wrecked up front and they they weren't getting off blocks. And all that stuff was true too. But they were giving up 70-yard touchdowns with guys just running behind the defense. They have eliminated just the disastrous mistakes. Now on top of that, you've got the Melvin Ingram factor and Chris Jones, you know, coming back and just everybody the, the pieces fitting better in Kansas City, but at a high level, just the fact that they're in position You know, instead of blown coverages like they did, uh, like once or twice, three times a game earlier in the season has been huge for the Chiefs. But yeah, they're they are playing some really good football on that side of the ball. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain this defensively because it's not always this clean start to finish path
0: on your way to a Super Bowl, right? They're such a fascinating team now because they are now back at the top of PFF's power rankings. They are... 91% chance to make the playoffs, 70% chance to win the division. Um, They're all of a sudden legitimately one of the favorites again. And yet you look at, they're not right. Like this isn't what we thought the Chiefs would be. They are still struggling on offense. But then you look at the run-in and okay, it's not the easiest run-in in in the world, but none of those teams are going to scare them the way they might if their defense hadn't turned things around. So the Raiders this week, obviously, at the Chargers, then the Steelers, at Cincinnati, at Denver. They could win all those games. Now, they could lose any one of them, but they could win all of those games, be running into the playoffs on the back of like a 10-game win streak without an offense that's working the way we usually expect it to work, with Mahomes grading in the 20s amongst quarterbacks, but with their defense looking like the best defense in the NFL and holding up the entire thing. Like, it's it's bizarre.
1: Yeah, this is – if you had a time machine and said back in August –
0: Although we predicted it
1: in the preseason, no. But if you said back in August the Chiefs' defense would start carrying them and Mahomes would look pedestrian and all if that, you said stuff, Mahomes it would
0: be crazy. was the 24th graded quarterback in the NFL, but the Chiefs' defense is top five, so they're they're still rolling into the playoffs. <laughs> People would look at you like you're insane, crazy. It would be crazy.
1: Uh, on the other side, I just not to oversimplify things for Derek Carr, but I have oversimplified things for Derek Carr in general. When he's yeah. aggressive, generally good things happen. Even last week in the Washington game. Threw the ball down the field a little bit more, graded better. It didn't show up on the scoreboard, but uh, the Raiders have to have to try to create chunk plays in this game. That even even though you're not going, it it might not be a blow uh, a shootout situation like previous Chiefs teams. you, You have to be aggressive here if you're the Raiders against this Chiefs defense
0: and see if you can create some plays in the passing game down the field. I think the thing we've learned from the Raiders is that they need their they need all of their playmakers on offense healthy for that thing to be working they need darren waller and deshaun jackson um obviously Derek carr like they need multiple they need multiple ways of winning and if they only have one of those guys or if one of them is missing it doesn't look the same if they don't have deshaun jackson's deep threat the defense is is too it's too easy for defense to clamp down on it if they don't have darren waller As much as Deshaun Jackson is manipulating defenses, there's nobody there to take advantage of it. Um, They need all of those players in that offense for them to function. If they don't, the thing falls off a cliff quickly. Darren Waller is officially questionable in this
1: game. He's been battling injury, so um, obviously it would be huge to have him a part of the game here. Nine and a half points, Sam. Where are you leaning in this one?
0: Uh, Kansas City. Hmm. I don't want to do
1: the same. I you know, I, I got to lean. I'm, I'm disappointed in how Vegas handled the last game. I think they'll at least keep it a little bit closer. 14 to 10, another classic Chiefs win here. 14 to 10. 14 to 10. Can we get a weather report in Kansas City? Maybe it'll be a weather game here to to, to tighten it up a little bit. I'll take Vegas to at least cover here. But uh, yeah, I mean the ball's in the Chiefs' court here as far as the division and maybe even uh, getting back on top for that number one seed in the AFC. Um, those are all good games, by the way. We've we've covered six games. They're all legit division games, playoff implications, all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there are some lesser games this week as well. Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. Packers favored by 12.5. But on Sunday Night Football, we do have the return of Justin Fields. So we at least have something to completely overreact to
0: here in primetime. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, Fields is fun to watch. Uh, he has an incredible ability to make plays that Andy Dalton doesn't have. You know, Justin Fields still has one of the best big time throw rates in the NFL. Okay. It's, it's a way smaller sample size than everybody else. But right now it's Kyla Murray, Jameis, uh, Derek Carr, and Justin Fields. That's the, the top of the big time throw rate. Now, okay. He's got a pretty high rate of turnover. worthy plays as well. And a bunch of plays where they haven't been turnover worthy, but they're negatives, right? Taking sacks, just blowing protections, causing pro- like those kinds of things. So, it is a roller coaster ride watching Justin Fields, but he gives you an upside that simply does not exist with Kyler Murray there, or not Kyler Murray with Andy Dalton there. Kyler Murray, they
1: played you know the Bears last week. That's because I just read him out
0: as top of the big time thrower. You read it, yeah, you read his name.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Fields' watch is always interesting. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, they had the bye week. He's got the toe injury. He decided not to have surgery because he wants to play football. Last time we saw him play. I don't think it was really an issue. I mean, I don't think you. No. Uh, I don't think he was ineffective or anything. That is the type of thing that might show up. What second half of the game, or you know, the, the the drugs and the shots wear off a little bit. But uh, again, Rodgers is coming off of back to back pretty good games throwing the football, so yeah, he's been he's been just fine.
0: Yeah, Rogers, uh, not his best season by any stretch, but as you said, back to back good games. They've come against Minnesota on the road and the Rams. So those are two good opponents to be having two of your better games of the season and you know really if you're going to strip out the couple of terrible games he's had like week one against the Saints which is just a, a, one of those week one bizarre ones and then that uh, week 10 game against Seattle you strip out those two games you're getting much closer to the sort of elite Aaron Rodgers than maybe the rep, the, the sort of the uh, perception is this season well maybe that's the reason for concern this week yeah those
1: two games are the the he had too much rest Games, rust games, the rust game. He was he, all off season. He was just too, he was too busy, too busy in Hawaii, uh, answering uh, what, uh, asking answer, uh, giving answers for people to ask questions. Yeah, look, there Jeopardy. You, know, you
0: strip out those two games, and Aaron Rodgers is the number one graded quarterback in the NFL.
1: Oh, yeah, perfect. Uh, but when he had too much rest in Week One, and then you know the COVID week off against Seattle, those were his two grades in the 40s. Now he's coming off a bye. <laughs>
0: See what I'm saying? But he could practice during the bye. Yeah, I know. He could practice in the in in preseason. He didn't. He was in Hawaii. True. He was just your problem is is lack of practice time. COVID, uh, no, all he was I'm busy. saying is there's
1: evidence that when he has more than a week to prepare for a game, he's unprepared. Yeah, but you were,
0: unprepared. you were blaming the lack of practice for the rust. Like when he was, when he was COVID, Last he was self-isolating and yeah. doing yoga or whatever it was. He wasn't throwing balls yeah. to Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. So all of a sudden, he's rusty. Right. The week one thing, he was chilling in Hawaii and doing Jeopardy or whatever. He wasn't practicing and throwing his own teammates the ball. Now it's a bye, but they were practicing, so he should be fine. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers will be fine. Yeah. One thing to keep an eye on,
1: small sample, but I mean it's his highest turnover-worthy play rate since 2017. He's got seven turnover-worthy plays over the last five games and only one interception to show for it. So if the Bears are going to have a shot and Rodgers does have, he's got like one of those, one or two of those plays per game where he kind of has been giving the defense an opportunity. The Bears need to take advantage. But it's a it's a 12 and a half point spread for a reason. It's in Green Bay. Uh, Pat, you know, Roger said, I own you,
0: Chicago, mm. and the whole thing. You know, can the Bears even use that against him? We'll see. I don't, I don't even think they I think to be so. using it against him for like every game until he's no longer there. But uh, I mean, he, I think he commented on it. It's like, yeah, I mean, at some point, they're going to use that against me. But like, I would, I would argue that the facts have backed me up. He said, spot the lie. Yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> yes, okay, maybe it was an ill-advised thing to be throw, throwing around next to a microphone. On the other hand, it's true. And until they show otherwise, I expect it to continue to be true. So Green Bay to cover? Or does Chicago keep it close enough? Uh, what are we talking here? It's, uh, ooh, it's
1: one of those like fields Fields needs to play like you did in that Pittsburgh game. Uh, Monday Night Football made the comeback. Made, had five big-time throws. He's gonna, you're going to have to get the highest end of your rookie, Justin Fields, probably to even cover against the Packers here. Jair Alexander, by the way, back to practice. Not necessarily to play the game, but he's got that window open to practice. That's huge for the Packers here. Uh,
0: I'll go with Chicago. Do it. Keeping it closer than that yeah. monster line. Oh, no. It's going to be ugly. Sunday night football. Speaking of ugly, the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. Speaking
1: of ugly. How's that? Nice. Uh, we mentioned earlier the Bucs, you know, Brady sitting in a clean pocket and getting rid of the ball quickly and all that stuff. Time to throw matters in that equation. But the Falcons' pass rush. Now the lowest pass rush grade in the NFL. Four pressures on over 50 dropbacks last week against Brady. It was the lowest pressure rate in any game this season. But Carolina's offensive line mm. this week. So, resistible object and movable – what is it? Movable object and resistible force? Is that this one? Yes, yeah, a resistible
0: force against a very movable object. Yeah, there we go.
1: Something's got to give up front here. Joe Brady out. Talked about that on the Daily Out as the offensive coordinator in Carolina. What are you looking for in
0: this – game i'm kind of curious to see if now that joe brady is gone if they pivot to some insane like run heavy cam newton led patriots style offense not like you know three pass attempts in the game but matt rule was apparently wanting them to run the ball more that's like, a good point yeah established to run harder what is this passing stuff this is not what we want to do uh do they swing all the way back in that direction and this is like a 40 rush attempt game where cam newton carries the ball 15 times um christian the whole thing runs through christian mccaffrey i'm kind of curious to see do they do something radical with that offense off the back of getting rid of a guy who's clearly being you know scapegoated out of there
1: yeah i think that'll be interesting by the way the panthers are favored by two and a half here uh atlanta's offensive line has had issues uh, Matt Ryan, you know, he was sacked a bunch uh, against Tampa Bay last week as well. Carolina uh, still gets pressure at a, at a pretty high rate. The last time we saw Carolina, it was, um, I did declare it, the worst offensive line performance of our, one of the worst of our lifetime.
0: Of our time. Of our time, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, just, just to really hit home the impact, it was bad. It would also be really interesting, by the way, if Carolina did run that game plan because you would then, like in bank-to-bank weeks, you would have sort of seen a team looking at the same defense and coming to polar opposite conclusions about the way to attack them. It would be fun, Tampa yeah. Bay looks at that defense and goes, oh, we can pass all day long with zero concern. That's how we're going to beat the Falcons. And then you would have Carolina the next week looking at them and going, oh, we're, we're going to run the ball down their throats with our run-heavy offense and our dominant ground attack quarterback, and we're not really going to put the ball in the air much at all. That would just be a really interesting dynamic back-to-back weeks.
1: I don't have much else on this game here. Yeah. I mean it's just both teams. I don't, I, the Panthers, are they still technically in the hunt? They're both half right? the seven.
0: If you if there's the a c- if there's a scenario where the Detroit Lions are still mathematically alive, both these teams are still I can't in the wait hunt.
1: Wait until the Lions game where I'm going to read out the scenario. You know, read it out.
0: Well, how can you read it out? There's like five weeks worth of every game needs That's to what happen. I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. That would take up the podcast.
1: That's going to be be the Lions preview. No. Week
0: 14, Lions beat the Broncos. Steelers beat the Vikings. Stop it right now. Okay. The the other thing to watch in this game is, I mean, anytime... The Falcons are terrible, but they have Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, who were two of the most entertaining players in the NFL to watch and marvel at. Patterson is just an athletic freak who, who makes plays wherever he's lined up. And then Kyle Pitts... They're struggling to get him the ball, but every single week you see one play where it's like, oh my God, that guy is technically a tight end and he's taking like, you know, beating up number one corner, stiff arming them and running down the sideline. Like this is ridiculous. So the ceiling for Kyle Pitts remains insanely high and Cordero Patterson is one of the players of the season.
1: That's what I'm watching every single week for the Falcons. That's what I'm saying. Watch those playmakers for sure. Real lean in here.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta.
1: Give me Carolina. Give me Carolina. Atlanta can't exploit their weaknesses, I don't think. You get the no Joe Brady bump. You always get like a one-week bump when you fire a coach, even a coordinator. like a one-week bump, a little motivated. Yeah, Joe's out of the building, finally. Not that they care. I'm just mostly making that up. Sorry, Joe Brady. I apologize to Joe Brady. That was mean. That was mean. Maybe they love him, and they'll be sad. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But I'll take Carolina, getting the one-week bump, whatever it is. Seattle Seahawks at the fighting Davis Mills in Houston. Davis Mills is back, baby. Oh, goody. You excited?
0: No. I don't want to watch Davis Mills play any more football than I had to. Who are you taking
1: in this game? Seattle by seven and a half on the seven. road in Houston. Get right game. Get right game for Russ and the Texans.
0: Russ and the Texans. I mean, the. who does you play for? The Seahawks.
1: That could be foreshadowing. What if he's the next <laughs> Texans quarterback?
0: Ugh. Everything about this game is depressing um
1: no 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 you just change your t- change your tune we are previewing the games we're trying to give people something to be excited we've about giving people a America.
0: lot of exciting things this week this is the this is the game where there's nothing exciting there's nothing is, are there nine one o'clock games because that always throws me off because i got the eight box mix jamal adams is out for the season shut He's He's out down season. uh cunningham has been cut from the houston texans this game is just like hemorrhaging interest left right and center um I mean, look, yeah, can Russell Wilson get back on track after the mallet finger? He has been improving uh, week to week. Can they get the ball to their playmakers? Tyler Lockett, um, DK Metcalf. Like, the Seahawks, I guess, have more interesting ways of winning on offense. And, you know, they've started to use Dwayne Eskridge, D. Eskridge now, um, now that he's back and healthy. There's still a world where the Seahawks offense is kind of interesting to watch. The Texans, I mean, they're
1: just sad. Uh, just to answer the Zach Cunningham questions, because uh, I'm sure everybody wants to know, he gets cut by the Texans here. There was a uh, late for a COVID test, or there was some off-field issues there. But he's also in the middle of his wor- worst season of his career, forty-nine point six grade. I've always been a big Zach Cunningham fan. He's more of a, like a hashtag fun to watch guy because he's like really he's really good against the run. Not a great coverage player, despite having the skills, length and size, speed, all that stuff, right? Um, but in a zone heavy scheme like The Texans run here, It is that's not a great fit for Cunningham. Um, I know every time somebody's released, people are like, oh, Bill Belichick will make do with that guy. But this is Cunningham is actually one of the guys, if he gets through waivers and actually made it to the Patriots somehow, he feels like the type of guy that would have that rejuvenated career. He'd become a blitzer, not have to play as much zone coverage, all that stuff. So just keep an eye on Cunningham hitting the waiver wire because I I still think he's a good player. Hated the fit for the Texans, and I have no idea on the off-field stuff that they were upset about. Um, as far as Jamal Adams, there'll be plenty of offseason discussion about that whole thing, right? Seattle's team-building effort, not having a first-round pick once again, being able to uh, replenish a roster that has uh, slowly become depleted, and whether or not Jamal Adams has been uh, has been worth it. I've seen uh, a few Seattle fans defending you know, tackles, and he's got some pressures, and he's been good, and it's like, ugh, he's also grading in the 40s in coverage. For us, each of the last two years, it's really tough to justify the Jamal Adams move. Not so much the move, just the results of the move, right? Because if Jamal Adams did become the player for Seattle, the guy in Los Angeles, the Chargers, Mm -hmm. if Jamal Adams played at the level that he had played at previously, would it be worth it? No. It'd still be tough, right? But he's not even close to that player either.
0: Yes. It was a terrible trade from the outset that is being made to look even worse by the fact that Jamal Adams hasn't played well, has been injured, is now missing time, and does not fit within that defense, even if he was doing all of those things. It's just a, that's one of the worst trades in living memory. And there have been some terrible ones. Remember, you're, you're competing against Houston, trading a bag of potato chips for DeAndre Hopkins to get him out of the building when he's your best receiver. Like There are some horrific trades that have gone down in recent memory in the NFL. This is one of the worst. How is Seattle going
1: to keep this close? They're favored by seven and a half, but uh, yeah. the Kev Clark tweet from a couple years ago that, Seattle never, that he retweets every week yeah. <laughs> that Seattle never plays a normal game is so true. How are they going to keep this one close against Houston?
0: Jeremy Fowler reported, by the way, that uh, multiple teams at the back end of the waiver wire are saying there's no way Zach Cunningham makes it as far as they are. He's gonna get claimed by somebody get and get claimed yeah. by somebody pretty high up. He's um, a good football player overall. He is, but it's a like he's signed an extension, like it's a big contract. Somebody is picking up even with I think it's low on guarantees though. Uh certainly what... they converted a bunch of his money to like the it costs Texans a lot of dead money, I think, just to get rid of him. Like it's, yeah. that's why it's what's one of the reasons why it's such a surprising move for them is that sure
1: But they're in um they're in culture building mode, as we remember. I know, but it's it's
0: costly, is what I'm saying for them. And yeah. like they had to really want to get the guy out of the building to make that move. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you got to pay for culture, you know. You do. You do. Or draft a guy really high to, to police the culture, you know, Cleveland um, <laughs> you know, Give By the way, give me Seattle to cover this. I'm going. I'm going nuts
1: here. Even though that they always yeah even play weird games Texans can't
0: overcome that. What if Davis Mills has has a. Davis Mills game and Should. does to the Seahawks what he did to Bill Belichick earlier in the dome. In the dome. In the dome. Uh, all right, I'm going to lean on the idea that that the Seahawks never play a normal game. Somehow Houston will keep this close. Yeah, I'm sure they will.
1: Uh, New Orleans Saints at the New York Jets. Saints are only favored by five and a half here on the road against the Jets. you got the Zach Wilson watch every single week. Elijah Moore is uh, emerging. Corey davis is out for the season Hmm. rest in peace hall of fame status this is gonna hurt how many
0: uh catches does he need now let me go look it up while you tell me what you're looking for
1: here in the uh saints jets game
0: well taysom hill is probably gonna start another game but his finger is not likely to be 100 so soon after spraining it or whatever he did to it uh in the the game that he played through so what do we what does taysom hill look like in this game it was pretty disastrous in the second half of his last performance, which is what you would expect for second half. You know, that injury is starting to swell up. Your finger's not really working anymore. He's got to play with a splint on it at the time. Of course, he was missing people left, right, and center. Um, What does it look like now? Is it healthy enough for him to actually be a functional NFL quarterback? And then we get to see what an offense with Taysom Hill looks like. Like, we're in this weird situation where I kind of want to see what this Taysom Hill offense looks like with everything – in in optimal circumstances just to find out what we're dealing with here but we're not getting that and we might not get it this week either
1: ready for Corey Davis update yeah can I include the playoffs sure okay Uh, so to get to a thousand career receptions yep he's currently at 256 including the playoffs that's 51 per season now that he is uh out for the year after just 34 catches really killing him here 51 per season he's at 51 per season here through five years which means at that pace, we only need 14 and a half more seasons of uh, 51 catch years for Corey Davis mm. to get to that
0: thousand. Which would put him at what recept- age? Uh, what did I say? 14 more years? Yeah. 14 and a half more years? Eh, Forty and a half. 40 and a half. So he's just got to be Jerry Rice. Yeah. Jerry Rice played to his 40, didn't he? He's right on the oh, edge. Yeah. yeah.
1: Corey Davis. Just, we need 14 years of mediocrity. Yeah. Till you're 40. Ooh, look, think of. I mean, that's what Larry Fitzgerald's done in the last five or six years.
0: Wow. <laughs> Think of the scientific advances in you know longevity since Jerry Weiss got it done. You should easily be able to hang around until sure. you're 40 now. I'm just saying, this year, hurt career low
1: 34 catches he's going to end with. Hmm. It's going to hurt his pace. Yeah. It's going to really hurt his pace. Also, the six
0: drops, man. He shouldn't have dropped six of his 40 catchable passes this year. That's true. Shouldn't have done that, Corey. I mean, if you caught every pass sent his way, he'd have a much better chance of making the playoffs. Oh, man. Making last, the, years, the, last year's breakout was fame. not real <laughs> for Corey Davis. Anyway, he's out for the season, and uh,
1: season grades were very much in line with previous years for, uh, for Corey. Um, Elijah Moore, though, it's his, it's his time to shine for the Jets, and uh, I thought I thought Zach Wilson looked a little bit better last week, so it's continued. Zach Wilson, watch. Will he develop? And I, you know, I like what you're saying about Taysom and the, and the Saints. Let's get some more information on him because their offseason – this is going to be fascinating. What what are they going to do with the quarterback position, right? You just, you've got whatever this contract is that Taysom Hill has. Jameis Winston's going to be a free agent, and he's coming off the ACL. Where do the Saints go? My feeling is Sean Payton doesn't necessarily need to be in the Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, or whatever sweepstakes there are out there. If he has a step down from that, I think the Saints are back with what Sean Payton's able to do. How do you get like, can he steal a Derek Carr from the Raiders or whatever? You know, it, it, those are those uh, the types of discussions I think will be interesting for the Saints. What's their next – where's their next quarterback coming from?
0: Yeah. I mean, they were one of the teams, right, that was supposedly reported that Russell Wilson would waive his no trade clause yeah. to go to. Um, now, that would be a game changer. Uh, this all was, I'm saying is I think Peyton could do with in the off less. Didn't we have that in the offseason as well? They're like, here are the four teams that Russell Wilson would be interested in, and then, like, obviously nothing materialized. It was – was it the Bears? I don't even remember the who they were, but that was that was a thing, right? Like there was a time yeah. where like here are the three teams that Russell Wilson's interested Raiders in. Raiders, Saints, and were the Bears one of them? I think Raiders, yeah. Saints, because
1: yeah, the Bears were working hard to like make the trade, I believe. Yeah. Raiders, Saints, and Bears, I think.
0: Okay. Well, that means the Saints have been in, in twice. Yeah. And they're also, uh, as always, you what know, was the What so looks worse. This worst. time it was the Saints, the Giants, somebody out the Broncos. Russ is going to go to New York. He's going to The Broncos to New York. was one of them, I think. Russ wants the bright lights. He's sick in dreary York. Seattle. He wants so bright was, lights in New was York City. New York, New Orleans, and Denver were the three teams this time. For who? Russ? No. Yeah, those are the three teams that he was supposedly the Raiders were willing one of them to with Gruden. The, this time. Oh. This time around, it was New York, New Orleans, and Denver. I think were the three teams that he would he would waive his no trade clause to go to. Anyway.
1: Uh, anyway, it would help the Saints to have some more uh, Taysom Hill data points in their offense if he's healthy. I mean, maybe. Uh, give me, give me the Saints by five and a half in this one. By five
0: and a half. Yeah, uh, this Jets
1: defense has just been rough, man.
0: Well, that's the thing is like it shouldn't matter who their quarterback is or what they're trying to do. The Jets defense can't stop anybody doing anything. So whatever they're rolling out there in terms of offense should have success. Essentially, the only way the Saints can screw this up is if they turn the ball over a ton of times,
1: which could happen. And this this should be you know, last week. We said, look, Zach Wilson's going to have. A t- uh, it may be an easier time against an Eagles defense that will give them some holes and zones to attack. New Orleans, a lot tighter windows I- against this New Orleans secondary and Marcus Williams uh, patrolling the secondary and all that. By
0: the way, he's got some really weird, ugly plays for mm. such a good safety. That I mean, that, yeah. I do think people kind of, it was a bad play, right? The Tony Pollard up the sideline thing. But I do think it was. Stuck on strafe. Yes. I do think it was slightly more understandable than people said. Like, you're that single high safety. you You've got a bad angle. You, you're essentially... Your job is just to not... Well, your job is to not allow what he allowed. So it's not like he did a good job. But my point is, he essentially tried to avoid looking ridiculous and ended up looking ridiculous, right? He was desperately trying to avoid that. You shoot in and the dude just sidesteps you and you go right. careering off the sideline and he just wanders in for the touchdown. Like
1: he just kept, like, waiting... Yeah, I think create he's
0: an angle to attack. He didn't want to get and Pollard was just too fast. He didn't want to get beaten by the cutback. And I think in doing so, he just gave him too much space to get run around for speed. And he didn't anticipate how fast Pollard was going to be. And yeah, I mean that happens. Like it was bad, but it's not like the you know, the people are like, what was he even trying to do? Like it's not that hard to discern what his thinking was. Anyway, uh, give me the Saints.
1: Yeah, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, ah, just give me the Saints. We're <laughs> take the Saints too. <laughs> yeah. Play through all the scenarios here. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off a bye, favored by eight and a half here against the Jags. Do the uh, fighting Urban Myers have any chance here against the Titans? The fighting Urban Myers. Are they yeah. even fighting anymore? Well, that's that's another question. Well, they're fighting internally. Are James they? Rob- yeah, Trevor wants James Robinson on the field more, and you know, they're
0: just. You, it, it was weird where. Urban essentially said he had no idea whether or not James Robinson was going to be on the field or why. Yeah, he said he, blamed, he didn't blame, coaches. but he said a hey, running back coach, uh, Bernie Parmalee, yeah. has a, a rotation. That's the coaches. Like, yeah. Then, then, I mean, are you not one of the coaches? The head coach, in fact, as as your title, I believe, is. So Should you not be involved in that discussion? So just hearing that quote from Urban
1: Meyer makes me start to think his next course of action, if he's the head coach again next year and not fired, Urban Meyer comes back and he's like, that's it. I'm doing it my way. I'm going full Frank Sinatra. I'm doing it my way now. Hmm. None of these former NFL coaches. I'm bringing in Daryl Bevel and all these you know guys with NFL experience. I'm getting my guys in here. And we're going to do it my way, the college way, whatever that way is. So... I don't know. That's what kind of what I might be hearing out of uh, Urban Meyer's voice. I uh, I tried to conform to the NFL ways a little bit with getting uh, getting former NFL coaches and just you know stacking up the experienced coaches and everything. Urban's going to come back and do it do it his way, or he's going to get fired and the Jags are just going to blow the whole thing up and start over and have a fresh start for uh, for Trevor.
0: Yeah, so, it's just I don't. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to be saying that, like, I just leave it up to the coaches and I don't have any input in that. You're like, well, it seems like you should have at least some input, if for no other reason than to be able to answer this specific question that's coming up. Like, when you look up and the dude that you thought was injured is back in the game... You should have some awareness there. Yeah, Yeah. you should... Or at the very minimum, you should be like, hey, what happened? Ask somebody, right? Find out because they're going to ask you. So just have the answer to that question, even if you don't want to... I'm 100. I'm okay with the idea of being like this is this guy's area. I'm going to leave him to it. Right. But you should you should know even if you're not micromanaging it and dictating it. I mean, I think that the idea of uh, the running back coach
1: controls the rotation and all that stuff. I think that's I think that's normal, right? Like that stuff's going to happen. But the head coach is definitely going to have sight of that and everything, right? Um, Titans, you know, th- their whole thing. I was doing Titans radio today with our friend Ramon Foster and all that, and they're you know what. What do the Titans have to do down the stretch? And my answer was, as much as we talked about Derrick Henry and he's the outlier and that's the offense, um, I still think it comes down to passing efficiency for the Titans. Now, how do they get there? They probably have to get there by making teams respect their rushing attack enough that Ryan Tannehill gets the one-on-ones in the outside that he has uh, that he has taken advantage of in the two and a half years as the starter for the should, Titans.
0: Should they be doing? Should they just shut everybody of consequence down? Like, just bumble their way to the playoffs, and then hope that Julio Jones and AJ Brown, et cetera, are there when they get there, and they can actually make a difference. No, that's because, a fair point. like, they seem to be. I mean, obviously, those guys haven't been healthy properly all season. Derrick Henry is gone, so that's not happening. Um, I doubt he There's comes still back. A hope even that though he can come back, right? I doubt he does. Even if they keep talking about that julio jones was back at practice with the hamstring injury. right but like so at this point what is the what is the purpose in sending julio jones out there potentially re-aggravating a hamstring injury like just shut him down for another three weeks say get healthy for for the playoffs um same with aj brown like They are a 97% chance of making the playoffs, according to our power rankings, 95% chance of winning the division still because Indianapolis you know, lost that game to Tampa Bay. So you're going to get a home game. So you're almost certainly going to be getting a home playoff game. Let's concentrate on that one. And by the way, they have the 30-second, i.e. easiest, schedule for the rest of the game, including games like this. So send out the backups, right, and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad thought to just – to just get healthy and 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 again if you're you're it's not going to really affect seeding a ton. Right. You're going to you're going to get this home game in the uh in the playoffs and then
0: you just kind of be that surprise team like oh
1: look at this we have Julio I think the Jones worst, and AJ Brown back.
0: The worst thing that could happen for them is they rush those guys back and get them injured and now they're out for the playoffs or they sort of they're desperately trying to get back on track with a group the, that aren't really going to be relevant.
1: The thing about the easy schedule though is it's i think that ranking is is just skewed a little bit by the, you're playing the jaguars and you're playing the texans. so like at a high level it's like okay we just we can almost guarantee those wins on paper even though the texans just beat them two weeks ago. but like on paper you guarantee those wins but the other three games are tough at the pittsburgh steelers against the 49ers and against the dolphins. niners and dolphins those two you know trending don't want to play these teams type of type of teams. so it's not that easy for tennessee but even if you do go two and three I don't think the Colts are overtaking you in the division. So, to your your point is strong. You could you the tech, the Titans could just beat the Jaguars, beat the Texans, go two and three down the stretch here, have ten wins, and still be the division winner, right? Pretty easily, um, because the Colts would have to win four four out of five down the stretch here. Uh, where are you going with this one? Eight and a half
0: uh i would say that jacksonville keeps it closer than eight and a half because tennessee not, is still so banged up i'm like oh for
1: a million picking the jaguars this year not having it no just not having it detroit line uh, give me the titans detroit lions at the denver broncos <laughs> what
0: nothing nothing
1: do we have any other ads to discuss here i think we got everything. any ads to discuss all right, you ready? Detroit Lions have a path to the playoffs. Oh, God. Should I read it? No. Do it fast. I could do it like terms and conditions style.
0: You can't do it fast. It need, it's every game remaining in the NFL. Just the
1: NFC. Just involving <sighs> NFC teams. All right, fine. If the Lions win out and, let's see, this week would need... A million other games go their way. I'll just do this week's. Right. Like, how do we get to next week? Okay. So the Lions, with one win, have a path to the playoffs. This is per... CBS Sports NFL and CBS for this particular week to get to next week just to get to stay alive to stay alive here the Lions they have to beat the Broncos obviously yes but also the Steelers need to beat the Vikings tonight the Cowboys need to beat Washington the Texans need to beat the Seahawks the Jets need to beat the Saints the Panthers need to beat the Falcons Chargers have to beat the Giants the Bengals need to beat the 49ers and the Packers need to beat the Bears looks seems doable Trying to live with, I mean, we, we could lose it tonight if the Vikings win. Mm-hmm. There's not a ridiculous uh, result in that. Um, and if all of, no, nothing's ridiculous. If, if all of that happens, they'll stay alive just to potentially clinch the number seven seed at six ten and one
0: <laughs> six, ten and
1: one And then there's another eight things that need to happen next week. Oh, yeah. Every week is like that. But by week seven, only six things need to happen in week 17. Oh, perfect. You know, so you, you, it gets a little easier as you go uh so lions broncos what is the spread eight and a half as well just like the tennessee game nine and a half now nine and a half let's let's change that let's do nine and a half what you leaning in this one
0: uh what are you looking for anything i mean for? yeah can denver's offense bounce back they got murdered by the chiefs and it was a really disappointing game for them like javante williams looked really good carrying the ball okay there was some issues like a fumble um but he looked really good when they gave him a full workload. They still have just all those weapons at receiver, and they couldn't use any of them with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. He played pretty terribly against Kansas City. This is Detroit. Like, this is so much easier. We are going from the game on hard mode to the game on easy mode. Teddy Bridgewater really should go out there and ball and not have a terrible game at all. And if he does that, Denver should actually be able to rack up some points. And then the other side, you've got Jared Goff throwing against the Denver defense, and that should be a win for Denver as well. So I, there's a reason that this, this line is almost double digits, and I think it should match up to that. Goff made a few big-time throws last it's week. Still out a grade in, like, the 50s. He was NFC Player of the Week, hmm.
1: I believe. NFC
0: Player is he of really? the Week. NFC Player of the Week.
1: Yeah. Three big-time throws, big uh, game-winning touchdown and everything. So... Uh, a little harder to throw the ball in Denver.
0: He had a grade of 59. I, I, I know.
1: Turnover-worthy plays in there,
0: right? couple? Yeah, two of them. Yeah, I know.
1: Just saying. they be NFC. So that was... Uh... All right, I'll do it. Baseball story. Really quick. Uh, yeah, all right. Jason Naborgall. Look him up. Guy used to throw 103. Got the yips. Couldn't throw a strike. During the month of August in 2006, he got one batter out in like 10 games. Poor guy couldn't throw a strike. I wonder if he's a listener of the podcast right now. I don't know.
0: Maybe he is out there somewhere. Anyway. I might have been concerned about 103. Well, the... Um, 74. I think it was Arizona. Not so much.
1: Arizona who had him at the time, I think it was, the, the Diamondbacks. They told him, don't throw over 95. Like, dumb it down to just try to throw strikes mm. here. It wasn't working. So, I mean, he would he would come in, hit batters, walk batters, throw wild pitches, and then come out. <laughs> he had one game where he actually got three. Out. He had an inning where he gave up like three runs or two runs. You know, maybe it was only one run. I mean, it was just like my worst inning was like his best inning type of uh-huh. thing. And he got player of the game because yeah. he had uh, one good inning after the month of – oh, man, the month of August was rough. ERA was like a million <laughs> and uh, only got one guy out. But it, it was early September, late in the season. He has a somewhat clean inning, only a run, only a couple walks, only one hit batter, and he was declared player of the game hmm. at the end of the game. That was Jared last, last week. The yeah. expectations were so low – that you know you lead this victory and Jared gets uh, NFC Player of the Week.
0: Like 103, at coming at a scattergun, who the hell knows approach would have been vaguely intimidating. 74, not so much. No, not at all. Like if if you had if you had been throwing in such a way that I would have that there was a very real chance of any one of these balls hitting me, I would not have been slightly concerned in that because that such was the speed. That's it. I'm just now, gonna hit you next. 103. Time. Do, because then there's a chance that the ball might actually come near enough for me to hit it.
1: Yeah, facing him, knowing that he was capable of hitting triple digits, and knowing that and he had that it might no hit. idea where that it was going. would have been a problem. It was, uh, it was rough. I hope he's not just like somewhere listening to us now.
0: <laughs> Ragus his performance. But it's just
1: look, the yips. The yips are no joke, and he got the yips. Because like I, I he mean, made a ton of money. I mean, it's, I don't feel that bad. He no, was like, thing, made a right? ton of money. There was, there's signing a signing bonus, even though he couldn't throw a strike. There's a
0: certain type of person slash player where they're so rich, given like how things have gone for them in terms of career and stuff, mm-hmm. that you don't feel bad about ragging on them. It's like, look, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for him. On the other hand, he's made fifty million dollars. Who cares? He's living the life right now. Yeah. He can live with it. Um, I was thinking though that you know we we didn't do the catcher part of this right because we didn't have a catcher, didn't have the equipment. I was kind of looking at that and saying, look, when I was a kid in school, I played cricket, and cricket is, is a similar hard ball. And cricket, you don't have a mitt. You just gotta catch the ball with your hands, right? Like a man. I was looking at your pitches and I was like, I I think I could catch one of those, like just barehanded. Barehanded? Yeah. Stop it. Seriously. Like you just you know, it's you cricket it. You gotta, you know, just cushion the ball, but it's you're out of your it's mind. It's doable. You're out of your mind. People do that in cricket. Literally, that's the game of cricket. Every single game, people are out right there crazy? catching it like that. How hard do they throw? I mean, it's coming off the bat, so pretty hard. I'm mean, just saying, like when I was looking at your 74 mile an hour pitches, I was like, I think I could catch one of those without right, the stupid mitt.
1: All right, let's do it. I mean, if you're if you have no fear, let's just <laughs> let's just do it. I'm training this this winter, and we'll we'll come back in the spring. <laughs> You'll time. get right up to 76. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna gas it up to 76. I'm
0: gonna train. Kelly get the workout programs ready (laughs) I'm just saying we've gone from like I will definitely injure you through the giant pillow mitt to I think I could catch one of those without a glove at all yeah arm side run baby still had arm side run you might
1: not have seen it in the dark Hmm. I was running in on you who are you you picking in this game (laughs) Lions and Broncos Denver give me Denver
0: yeah as well the Detroit Lions had their Super Bowl again they're not doing it again All right, last game of the week I believe check my work giants at chargers chargers favored by 10. who is playing quarterback for the giants it's not going to be jake from apparently no does that mean the neck is back out there no he's still concussed the neck's concussed so we're know. back to daniel jones
1: i think isn't his neck good enough isn't he going to be okay
0: who the neck which neck Whose neck
1: daniel jones neck not the neck okay <laughs> <Like> <laughs> daniel jones neck is oh, going to... doubtful now he's a limited doubtful so, so
0: who's playing Maybe Kadarius Tony. Oh, he's
1: also questionable. Tony might be the best quarterback they have left. He's certainly the best arm they have. Glennon concussed didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, practice Wednesday. Jake Fromm. He's. Uh,
0: what did he say? It's like. Uh,
1: it's like taking a final without actually. Yeah, you know, but going then to there was class. a
0: report that like he's not expected to play. So who is uh, Saquon Barkley's questionable. Maybe he's going to take some direct snaps.
1: What are we even previewing? Nobody's playing. <laughs> But the Chargers have their own issues. Is uh, Keenan Allen out?
0: I mean, the Chargers have like minor issues in terms of you know maybe a player or two. The Giants they don't seem to have a quarterback, nor do they have their running back or one of their receivers, and they have a terrible offensive line. Chris Harris, Keenan Allen,
1: both out. Mike Williams was a close contact. He's declared out too. I thought they said uh, I thought him and uh, him and Chris Harris could play her yesterday but now on ESPN.com they're saying out injury report
0: could this, be a factor this isn't the best preview we've ever done
1: well no we don't know who's playing
0: <laughs> that's what I'm saying that's why it's not the best uh injury report we've ever done well that's a problem yeah so Glennon doesn't I mean Glennon is not he's not he's did not participate at all concussed let's say he's out Daniel Jones must be the starter if they're saying that Jake Fromm isn't going to start Well, I don't think the Giants have much of a shot, no matter who
1: the quarterback is. I think the ten points is it is it still a ten? You have changed? a
0: better chance if Daniel Jones is playing than if Jake Fromm. A much better job, but he's doubtful. Doubtful is uh, really doubtful. Though Jake Fromm did put up some numbers against Alabama. He did.
1: He did. Uh, doesn't have a great arm. No, small hands guy as well. Small hands guy flips the ball, like spins it all the time when he catches it in the shotgun. Kind of like throws off his timing. It's a little weird. Why? He, spin, he just does like an extra spin instead of just like
0: catch and throw. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> what are you watching for in this game? I mean, well, that will be a kind of comedy of errors in and of itself. That'll be pretty funny. Just <laughs> who the Giants have on offense uh, and therefore what they're capable of achieving. Um, and then look, Justin Herbert is always – like they actually let him open it up a bit more last week. He had a high average depth the target, over 10, had – more big time throws than we've seen from him. Was that a just a random blip against Cincinnati or are they actually gonna open this up and have him be more aggressive? Uh by the way,
1: breaking news, Mike McCarthy is guaranteed a win this week against the Washington football team. I just think that might be more interesting than the Giants Chargers preview here. Why did he do that? I don't know. We're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. That's wow. a quote. Mike McCarthy. Okay. As uh Will Brinson quote tweeted it. Uh, guaranteeing a road division win. What could go wrong? Lindsay Rhodes. I don't know, Will. Things usually go ex- as expected in the NFL. Yeah. I don't know. That's a little risky Yeah. by Mike. Now, the Chargers, if they went and guaranteed victory, maybe they'd be okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 10 points. Yeah, the, the, the Justin Herbert uh, development continues to be, uh, I think, a, a really interesting story, right? When you put more on his plate, uh, again, at, at a high level, I think, this year, Herbert's done a really nice job on the underneath stuff, right? And making good decisions and taking care of the ball. We do want to see him throw the ball down the field more. It was good to see that last week, even though, whatever, a jump ball turns into a touchdown. A, another jump ball turns into an interception, essentially. But uh, I think that's what makes this Chargers team potentially dangerous. And that's going to be the storyline coming out next Thursday. They're going to play the Chiefs this uh, a week from today on Thursday night football. So Chargers get through this game. They got the huge game against the Chiefs on Thursday night. And we're probably going to say the same thing. Be aggressive against this Chiefs defense.
0: So we appear to be back to Jake Fromm likely to start uh, again. Jake Fromm, by the way, so PFF's Power Rankings page, um, we give a list of quarterbacks and then how much that quarterback is worth to the betting line relative to a replacement-level player. So – Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not in the lineup. The line moves eight points in the opposite direction. That's how much Tom Brady is worth to the spread. Mahomes, seven and a half. Jake Fromm is the only player on this page who is apparently worth negative points versus a replacement level quarterback. Essentially, the PFF numbers are saying that Jake Fromm is a point worse on the betting line than just a replacement level quarterback grabbed off the street and thrown in there. Poor, yeah. poor Jake Fromm. That's harsh.
1: It is. For yeah, a, a man, ninety ninety-two grade for the Bills in preseason week three this week. Yeah, this that's year. what I said. For a man Two that put up bros.
0: some numbers against Alabama, had a 92 preseason grade in one game.
1: Yeah, he was um he was a good starting quarterback for Georgia. He essentially look, the Georgia Bulldogs chose him over Jacob
0: Eason and Justin Fields. Yeah. The Eason thing isn't looking terrible, but the Fields thing a little bit less. Just saying, they had faith in
1: uh, the way Jake Fromm runs the offense. He had three grades in the 80s at Georgia. Uh, generally, took good care of the ball. He's in that you know game manager type of uh, style, and uh, but he, it's it's like Alex Smithian too because he probably takes too many sacks. So there's some negative plays in there, even though he's not not going to throw as many interceptions. So that would be the thing to keep an eye on. In this game, if the Giants are going to move the ball with Jake Fromm at quarterback, it's going to be a whole bunch of smart underneath passes and taking care of it and, you know, shortening the game against the Chargers here. Yeah. I'll be watching Herbert and his development here, as always.
0: Yeah, I do want to see if, if that was just a random game against Cincinnati or if they are moving towards opening it up and letting him or forcing him just generally getting their stuff together and attacking more as an offense because I think they need to do that to compete with the best teams. I'll take the Chargers. Where are you going? Yeah. Regardless of Giants quarterback.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. Chargers by 10. We'll take it. Is that every game? Sure. It's 13 of them. We've got four teams on by. We already did Thursday Night Football yesterday. Quick math tells me that's it for week 14. Done. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back here on Monday. Don't forget, pff.com. You get 25% off using the promo code Pod. Uh, send us feedback on our uh, subscription services, right? The uh, at, uh, Contact at pff.com. And then follow at PFF NFL Pod because the Bill Pullian book is on the line. We'll be sending that to one lucky follower at some point. Once we get to 1,000, maybe 2,000 followers. The thing's moving quick. We appreciate everybody for following us on Twitter. Good to go? Yeah. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you Monday morning.